Chapters 10 through 14 of An American Robinson Crusoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. An American Robinson Crusoe by Samuel B. Allison. Chapter 10 Robinson Makes a Hat. Refreshed and with renewed strength, Robinson awoke late the next morning, but he had a bad headache. The day before, the hot tropic sun had beat down on his bare head as he worked at his cave. He was so busy that he forgot to go into the shade from time to time in order to shield himself from the scorching sunshine. He felt a new need. "'I must make me a hat,' said Robinson to himself. "'But how?' He had no straw, no thread, and no needle. He looked around for a long time, but found nothing. The sun mounted even higher in the heavens, and shone hotter and hotter. He went to seek shelter at last in the deep shade of a nearby tall plant. As he stood there, he examined the plant more carefully. Out of these leaves, he said, I might make a hat. He climbed up the short stem of the plant and saw that it had not only leaves as long as himself, but between the leaves were big bunches of long, thin fruit, as thick as three fingers and similar in shape to a cucumber. He plucked the leaves and fruit and was about to eat some of the fruit when he heard near him a light stir as of some animal. He rolled the leaves and fruit together and hastened back to the cave. The bananas, for that is what the fruit proved to be, were sweet and refreshing. After he had eaten enough, he set immediately about making his hat. He broke off a couple of reeds. He bent one into a hoop, but the hoop would not hold without thread. Sometimes it was too large and sometimes too small, but it must fit his head. He pulled up grass and bound its ends together but the grass stalks were not strong enough. He hunted until he found a tree whose inner bark was soft and came out in long fibers. He bound his reed with this. This, too, made the hoop soft so that it did not hurt his head. When the hoop was ready and fitted to his head, he found the banana leaves could not be used. Their veins ran straight from the midrib. This made them easily torn, and besides, they were too large they were not the best shape. He saw that leaves about a foot long with broad and tapering points would be best. He saw, too, that if the leaves had their veins running parallel with the midrib, they would be stronger. He made search and at length found leaves that seemed made for his purpose. They were thick and leathery and tapered from base to apex like a triangle. He now proceeded with his hat making he would take a leaf and lay it on the ground with the base toward him. Then he laid the hoop on the base of the leaf, wrapped it around the hoop, and fastened it with thorns. He did the same with other leaves. The thorns were his pins. At last, he pinned the tips of the leaves together at the top, and the hat was ready. It looked just like a big cone, but it kept out the heat of the sun robinson now had corn and bananas and when he was thirsty he drank a handful of water from the spring he had been now nine days on the island 
Every day he looked out on the sea until his eyes ached to see if he might discover a ship. He could not understand why no ship came his way. Who knows how long I must wait here, he said sorrowfully. Then the thought came to him. You will not be able to keep track of the days unless you write it down. End of chapter 10, Robinson Makes a Hat. Chapter 11, Robinson's Calendar. The matter of keeping track of time puzzled Robinson very much. It was getting more difficult every day to keep it in his memory. He must write down the days as they slipped by, but where and how? He had neither pen, ink, nor paper. Should he mark every day with a colored stone on the smooth side of the huge rock wall within whose clefts he had dug out his cave? But the rain would wash off the record and then he would lose all his bearings. Then he thought of the beach, but there the wind and waves would soon also erase it. He thought a long time. I must find something, he said to himself, on which to keep a record. I must also know when Sunday is. I must rest one day in the week. Yes, I must find something, he said, on which to write. And finally, he found it. He chose two trees standing near each other, and then sought for a small, sharp stone, which he could make still sharper by striking it on another. When he had got this pen ready, he cut into the bark of one tree, Shipwreck, Sunday, 10th of September, 1875. He made seven cuts in a row for the seven days in the week. The first cut was longer than the others. This was to represent the Sunday. At sundown every day, he made a new cut in the bark. The other tree he called the month tree. On its stem, he was to cut a mark every time his week tree told him a month had passed. But he must be careful, for the months were not of equal length. But he remembered that his teacher had once said in school that the months could be counted on the knuckles and hollows of the hand, in such a way that the long and short months could be found easily, and he could tell in this way the number of days in each. Robinson worked at enlarging his shelter a little every day. He was sorely at loss to find something in which to carry the dirt away from the entrance, or enough so that it would not choke up the opening. A large clamshell was all he could think of at present. He would carry the dirt to the entrance in some distance away, and then throw it. Fortunately, the ground sloped away rapidly, so that he needed a kind of platform before his door. He was careful to open the cleft at some distance above the large opening, for the air was damp and impure in the shelter, but with the opening made high above, fresh air was constantly passing into, and impure air out of, his cave. Light, too, was admitted in this way. End of chapter 11, Robinson's Calendar. Chapter 12, Robinson Makes a Hunting Bag. Several days passed with Robinson's hat making and his calendar making and his watching the sea. Every day, his corn and bananas became more distasteful to him, and he planned a longer journey about the island to see if something new to eat could be found. 
but he considered that if he went a distance from his cave and found something it would really be of little use to him i could eat my fill he said but that is all and by the time i get back to my cave i will again be hungry i must find something in which i can gather and carry food he found nothing the people in new york he said have baskets or pockets or bags of coarse cloth of them all i could most easily make the net perhaps of vines but the little things would fall out of the net i will see whether i can make a net of small meshes but he soon saw that the vines did not give a smooth surface he thought for a long while in his garden at home his father had sometimes bound up the young trees with the soft inner bark of others he wondered if he could use this he stripped away the outer bark from the tree which before had yielded him a fiber for his hat and pulled off the long smooth pieces of inner bark he twisted them together then he thought how he could weave the strands together he looked at his shirt a piece was torn off and unraveled he could see the threads go up and down he saw some threads go from left to right woof others lengthwise the warp from his study of the woven cloth robinson saw he must have a firmer thread than the strips of bark gave alone he separated his bark into long thin strips these he twisted into strands of yarn by rolling between his hands or on a smooth surface as he twisted it he wound it on a stick it was slow hard work of all his work the making of yarn of thread gave him the most trouble he learned to twist it by knotting the thread around the spindle or bobbin on which he wound it and twirling this in the air he remembered sadly the old spinning wheel he had seen at his grandmother's house his next care was something to hold the threads while he wove them in and out he had never seen a loom after long study robinson set two posts in the ground and these he bound with seventy-two strands horizontally under each other then he tied in the top at the left another thread and wove it in and out through the seventy-two threads so he tied seventy-two vertical strands and wove them in and out thus he had a net three times as long as his foot and as wide as long he tied the four corners together he made a woven handle for it and put it on his shoulder like a sack saying gleefully this shall be my hunting bag End of chapter 12, Robinson Makes a Hunting Bag Chapter 13, Robinson Explores the Island After Robinson made his hunting bag, he was anxious to set off on a journey of exploring the island. So he arose very early the next morning. Before it is hot, thought he, I will be quite a distance on my journey. He ate a couple of bananas, scooped up a few handfuls of water from the spring, stuck a few ears of corn in his hunting bag, took his stick in his hand, and went forth. As he left his cave, the thought struck him, What if I could not find my cave again? How can I manage so that I can come back to it? I will go away in one direction and return the same way, 
but suppose I were to lose the way. Then he noticed his shadow, pointing like a great finger from the sea toward the land. He could direct himself by that. He kept his shadow in front of him. He had noticed, too, that the wind always blew north of the point where the sun rose. This helped him, but sometimes the wind would die down. He had to climb over many rocks and pierce many thickets. At each step, he saw a rich growth of plants, stems, leaves, flowers, but nothing to eat, no fruits or nuts. At length, he came to a tree as high as a small church steeple. Then he thought of what his father had once said about the trees in strange countries. Many are as tall as a church steeple, and the nuts are as big as one's head. He looked again. Yes, there they hung among the leaves, concealed high above in the crown. But so high, it was well that Robinson had learned to climb while on board the ship. He quickly laid down his hunting bag and clambered up the smooth stem of the high tree, a palm. He picked off a nut and threw it down, then several more, and climbed down again. But the nuts were very hard. How should he open them? He had brought along his sharp stone, with which he had stripped off the inner bark. With this, he forced off the thick outer shell, but now came the hard nut within, and how hard it was! Striking it was of no use. Then he threw a great stone on the nut. The shell was crushed, and a snow-white kernel lay before him. It tasted like almond. With astonishment, Robinson saw in the middle of the nut a large empty space, which must have been filled with fluid as the inside was wet. He wished that he had the juice to drink, for he was very thirsty. With this in view, he examined another and riper nut, and the outside came off more easily. But how could he break it and, at the same time, save the juice? He studied the whole of the coconut on all sides. At the end were three little hollows. He attempted first to bore in with his fingers, but he could not. Hold! he cried. Maybe I can cut them there with the point of my stone knife. This was done without trouble, and out of the hole flowed the sweet white juice. Robinson put a couple of nuts in his hunting bag, and also the shells from the broken nuts. Now, he thought, I shall no longer have to drink from my hand. With this thought, he went on his way. As Robinson came to a rock in his path, out jumped what Robinson took to be a rabbit. He ran after him to catch him, but the rabbit was much the swifter. So Robinson hastened home, but before he reached it, the stars were shining with their lustrous light. Tired, Robinson stretched his limbs on the bed of grass and leaves and slept soundly. End of chapter 13, Robinson Explores the Island. Chapter 14, Robinson as a Hunter. All the time Robinson was confined to the cave, he kept thinking about the rabbit he had seen and how he might catch one. Finally, he determined to make a spear. 
he broke down a thin young sapling stripped off its branches and in one end fastened a sharp stone he then went to bed for he wanted to be up early for his first hunting trip on the morrow with his hunting sack and spear robinson began to creep very very cautiously through the underbrush but he did not go far before he saw a lot of rabbits feeding peacefully on the soft leaves and grass he drew back and threw his spear with all his might but the spear did not reach the rabbits it fell far short and the rabbits sprang up and ran quickly away he tried it several times with the same result then robinson discouraged turned back home and ate his corn bananas and coconuts without meat in the meantime he found a new kind of food he discovered a nest of eggs how good they tasted to him but his longing for meat was still very great i will try to make a bow and arrow he said no sooner said than done he bent a long piece of tough young wood and stretched between the ends a cord twisted out of fiber taken from the coconut shell he then sought for a piece of wood for arrows he split the ends with his flint knife and fastened in splinters of stone at the other end he fastened on some feathers found on the ground the arrows flew through the air with great swiftness they will go far enough thought robinson if i could only hit anything he practiced shooting he stuck his stone knife in a tree and shot at it the whole day long at first he could not hit it at all the arrows flew far from the mark after a while he could hit the tree but not the knife then as he practiced his arm grew ever surer until at last he could hit the knife at almost every attempt after a few days he again went rabbit hunting he thought that the rabbit did not offer a mark so high as his knife, so he stuck a stone in the ground and practiced shooting at that. He gradually increased the distance until he could hit the mark at 20 or 30 yards. The next morning, Robinson took his bow and arrows and went out to hunt. He aimed at a rabbit, shot, and it fell, pierced by the arrow. His very first shot was successful. He hastened up and took the dead rabbit on his shoulder, carried it to his cave, and skinned it. Then he cut off a nice large piece of meat and was going to roast it. But alas, he had no fire. End of chapter 14, Robinson as a Hunter.